0: Building Stronger Creatives, a fitness podcast for musicians, artists, nerds, and former misfits. I'm a former out-of-shape professional musician turned personal trainer and nutrition coach to hundreds of clients, and I'll give you no-nonsense information about what it really takes to get and stay fit within the context of a creative life. Here, you'll find practical advice on strength and endurance training, sane and simple nutrition, habit building, and time management tools to help you make lifestyle changes that actually stick. Most fitness coaches have no clue what it really means to be a creative, whether you're a professional or a passionate hobbyist. I'm different. I've been where you are, and I share your values. Let me show you how you can use the gym to build a kick-ass creative life. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to episode 42 of Building Stronger Creatives. I'm your host, Caroline Juster, and today I'm going to do a little bit of a riff slash rant about a topic that I've been thinking about a lot and have some strong feelings about. Before we get into the meat of the episode, I haven't given you a reminder in a little while about some of the ways that you can work with me, so I want to do that right now. The main thing that I do and the thing that I really love and I'm super passionate about is one-on-one personal training. I really like to connect with people one-on-one. Uh, I'm a pretty introverted person. I'm not sure if you knew that or that comes across from my work, but I feel like I, I really like to work with people in one-on-one or smaller group settings. I feel like that's where I'm able to connect with people and really help people and get to know them the best. So there are two ways that you can take advantage of coaching. You can work with me online. Online coaching is fantastic because it's a little bit more affordable than in-person coaching and it does not matter where you live. So I have clients that live all over the world. Right now I have clients living in many major cities and all the coasts in the United States. I have clients that live in Australia, I have clients that live in Europe, so it does not matter. We are able to work together thanks to the wonders of the internet. I also do offer in-person coaching here in Chicago where I live. I work out of a gym that's downtown right by the Chicago Brown Line stop. And it is an independent trainer gym, which means that you don't buy a membership to the gym, you just come there to train with me and you only pay me. Let me talk a little bit more about online training because that's probably more relevant to people listening. If you do want to learn more about in-person training, you can send me a DM on Instagram. My handle is at carolinejuster, J-U-S-T-E-R. So the way that online training works is that uh, we have some initial phone calls where we talk about your goals, what's been challenging for you, why you feel like you haven't been able to succeed, or how you think I may be able to help you. And then I use that information to create a program that is built specifically for you. So almost all of my clients are doing fitness coaching, so that means you'll have some type of workout program that combines strength and cardio and is geared toward whatever equipment you have access to, whether that's basically nothing or whether you have a full gym. Some of my clients are also doing nutrition coaching, and that means we get on the phone and we talk a little bit more in depth about food challenges, planning, eating on the go, whatever it is that you are dealing with. All of my clients have unlimited access to me, so I'm 100% here to support you, to answer questions. You can send me form videos if you're uncertain of an exercise that you're doing at the gym. I also reach out to check in with you uh, depending on your personality, some people I check in with a lot, but everybody I check in with one, at least once a week, and then we have monthly check ins that are a little bit more in depth, where we revisit how the plan is working, we discuss if there are any changes in goals or any things we need to be aware of in the next month, and then I write you a new workout program. So if this sounds like something that would be helpful for to t- helpful for you, excuse me, you can apply. To work with me, there's a really simple application form at carolinejusterfitness.com slash stronger, fitter, better. That's all one word, no capital letters. carolinejusterfitness.com slash stronger, fitter, better. If you want to just talk with me about this more, you can also just send me a DM. Like I mentioned, for in-person training, my handle at Instagram is at carolinejuster. So again, I have some openings for online coaching, and I also have a few openings for in-person coaching if you happen to be in Chicago. If you are a musician, an artist, or a creative person who wants guidance, support, and accountability with working out, with changing your eating habits, anything related to fitness and nutrition, I'm here to help. This is what I do. It's what I love to do, and I would love to speak with you more about it. So let's get into today's episode. So usually when I do these podcasts, I have a little outline with points that I want to cover, things I want to make sure that I address. But today I'm going to do this a little bit differently and I'm basically just going to speak to you openly. Um, Maybe I'll be rambling a little bit, but hopefully I'll just sort of hit on the main points that I want to make. So I have seen, and I've been in the fitness industry, well I've been associated with the fitness industry for more than a decade because my own personal fitness journey which involved a lot of reading and watching of videos and following of really smart people began in 2011. So, I've been in the fitness industry for a while. I've been coaching for uh, it'll be 10 years at the end of this year. And I've seen a lot of trends come and go. And one of the things that I've seen recently that I wanna speak about today is this idea that there's something wrong with you or that you're fragile in some way. And there are a lot of ways I think that this plays out and I wanna speak about some of them separately. So let's talk about nutrition first of all. So in nutrition, the way that this typically plays out is you have these videos of people A lot of times, the latest thing is for someone to go into a grocery store and pick something up off the shelf and start ranting about it, which is just, like, truly absurd to me. Like, imagine if you're just going about your business, trying to grocery shop, and you want to buy something on the shelf, and there's some Instagram influencer who's picking it up and shit-talking it to the camera. Like, it honestly boggles the mind. Anyways, the whole idea behind this approach is that there's like certain foods and certain ingredients that are really, really bad for you. And you should avoid them at all costs. And if you do eat them, you're going to get cancer, you're going to get heart disease, you're going to die an early death. These are things like it used to be gluten. More recently, it's things like seed oils. Um, The carnivore diet people are really big on doing this with literally just with vegetables. It really runs a wide spectrum, like depending on which ideology or diet camp you Uh, are a part of, you might demonize one ingredient and not another. And uh, this just really gets on my nerves because first of all, it's not these things. So let's say, let me back up. Even if a lot of this stuff wasn't great for you or great for your health, the importance of removing these foods from your diet is really, really low compared to big rock issues like making sure that you are maintaining a healthy weight, eating the right amount of calories for your body, eating like foods that most people agree are good for you. So eating protein, eating fruits and vegetables. These things are really, really important. Drinking water, I'll say, as well, if we're talking about overall health. What's a lot less important is like, are you eating seed oils? Are you eating omega-6s? Are you eating you know, non-grass-fed beef? Are you eating certain types of vegetables? Are you eating grains? Like, if you have an allergy to these foods, you probably already know it. And if not, I just think like obsessing about this stuff is so irrelevant and honestly so harmful for a lot of people. And this is something that I have personal experience with. I've spoken before on the show about my battles with eventually an eating disorder, but before that, what I would call more disordered eating, where I was following a lot of these really restrictive diets, and I did things like the Whole30 and uh, different more extreme variations of like keto and the paleo diet. And I got to a place where I was literally afraid of a lot of foods, afraid that if I ate them, something really bad would happen to me, like immediately, (laughs) Um, which is really absurd if you think about it. And it would cause me a lot of stress, cause me a lot of anxiety. It made me really neurotic around food. And what it ultimately did was it helped to fuel the development of my binge eating disorder because I had so many crazy food rules. And what would inevitably happen is that I would fall off the wagon or I would eat a forbidden food. And... I thought, oh my God, the world is ending. Um, I might as well just eat as many of these foods as I can before I go back on my really strict diet. And that type of behavior eventually, along with a lot of mental and emotional issues, grew into just full-blown binge eating disorder, which of course is extremely harmful to my health, much more so than like maybe having a seed oil or having some gluten or something like that would have been. So first of all, like, following this sort of you have to remove these foods, these foods are so bad for you, these foods are all killing you approach, often, not just sometimes, but often leads people down a dark path of disordered eating, which has a really um, detrimental effect on health. So that's part of it. The other part is like, you and this is what I want the message that I want to get out in today's episode is that you are just a lot more resilient than these people want you to believe. Now, I know that we eat different foods today than our ancestors did, you know, back in way back in the day, tens of thousands of years ago, but if human beings had gone through evolution and been so vulnerable and so fragile to eating things that were outside of the normal diet, like we would not have survived natural selection. Full stop. We needed the ability to be flexible. We needed the ability to survive and even thrive when we were introduced to different types of diets and different environmental stressors and all these things like one of the reasons why humans have become the dominant species on planet earth is that we are equipped to survive in a lot of situations we are not fragile you are not going to immediately or for sure get some type of chronic illness if every once in a while you have some junk food you have some fried food you know A lot of this stuff isn't great for you in high quantities, but the message that some of these influencers are putting out is that unless you completely remove these foods from your diets, you're basically fucked. And I'm here to tell you that that's not true. And in fact, the stress of trying to do so can often be more damaging to your health because it leads to things that I mentioned disordered eating habits or eating disorders, tons of stress and anxiety around food. It might cause you to say no to going to social events because you're worried about what food is going to be available. And we know from research that social connection and being out among other people and being with loved ones is incredibly important for your health. So at what cost, I say, are we demonizing all these food groups and telling you that you can't have them? And if you do have them, you basically don't give a shit about your health. And I think that cost can be fairly high. And that's something that I personally experience. So while I'm not saying that eating healthy doesn't matter, or that certain foods aren't You know, not great for your health in large quantities. I don't think that this approach of like, you should never eat these foods, we should always be afraid, we should be so suspicious of certain ingredients. Like, I think that that's not helpful. And I don't think that it actually reflects the reality of long term, lasting health. You have the potential to eat a lot of different things, eat a flexible diet. And honestly, what's much more important are things like moving your body, connecting with others, and trying your best to maintain a healthy weight or eat the right amount of calories for your goals those things are all significantly more important than seed oils grains uh, beans and legumes dairy whatever now again if you have an actual allergy or a medical condition this is conversation really isn't for you but for the rest of us i think that worrying about these things can be like a lot of stress directed in all of the wrong places so those are some thoughts on nutrition i want to shift gears and talk a little bit about movement And I'm going to kind of tie sleep into this as well. So last year, I did an episode about sleep, and I shared my personal experience dealing with sleep anxiety and why I stopped consuming basically all information about sleep. A lot of fitness pros, doctors, whatever, love to post these kind of like scary stories about sleep. Like if you're not getting seven hours a night, look at all these terrible health things that are correlated with that and the way that the message is often presented is like if you don't get seven hours of sleep you're going to get Alzheimer's disease you're going to get heart disease you're going to get diabetes and we sort of gloss over the fact that these things are correlations they're not it's not a causative relationship it's not like if you don't get sleep you will get Alzheimer's it's that not getting sleep has effects on your body which may lead in a certain direction and people who don't get sleep also tend to have other unhealthy habits like It's a a more complex picture. And so, what I had shared in that episode was that stressing about this was actually making me sleep less and making my sleep quality worse. And so, I just stopped worrying about it so much and I started trusting my body, trusting that if I sort of let go of my need to try to control my sleep which really doesn't work if you've ever tried it. And I trusted that, okay, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to get by. Like I'm going to be able to do the things I want to do. If I'm really tired, I will be able to sleep more. Like when I stopped worrying about it so much, my stress and anxiety around sleep went down a lot and I felt a lot better. So one of the ways that this shows up in the sleep information, and this is why I wanted to tie this in with exercise, is that people will tell you things like, if you're not getting seven hours of sleep, you might as well not even worry what you're doing at the gym. You know, you might as well not even exercise because you won't be able to recover. And I I understand where people are coming from, but I actually think that this is really unhelpful advice. Because we know that exercise, movement has so many benefits for your brain and your body. It is Absolutely, hands down, one of the best things that you can do for yourself. I think that if we put another barrier in front of people, especially people who are the people who are probably struggling the most to exercise, are busy, they're stressed out, they have a lot of things going on. And if we tell them, okay, you can't exercise or you shouldn't exercise until you're sleeping better, they're literally never going to exercise, like full stop, because it's really difficult sometimes to change life circumstances and even environmental circumstances to allow for seven hours of sleep. Um, and I think that if you have in your head like I might not I might as well not even bother to exercise if I can't get the sleep, it's you're really missing the mark again. You are not that fragile. Now, should you train seven days a week for two hours, crushing yourself with really high intensity workouts? if you're not sleeping well, no. But should you go for a few walks every day or should you lift weights a couple times a week? Should you do some cardio that you enjoy? Yes, I think you should do those things even if you aren't getting seven hours of sleep. And this may be a controversial thing to say, but I think that the evidence and the benefits of exercise for just about every area of your health outweigh these concerns about recovery. Now, again, it is important to be honest with yourself about what you have going on in your life and how much extra stress you can take on. But I don't think that unless you have a chronic illness or something or you've been instructed not to train from the doctor, like I don't think that you should lower the amount of exercise you can handle to zero because then I think you're going to start to have, especially as you get older, a lot of negative effects from that. I think it's better to do some exercise and, you know, maybe just keep the intensity a little bit lower, maybe keep the frequency lower, but do that stuff even if you're not getting great sleep. I really think that that is a much more important thing than worrying about the sleep first. Now, if you're not getting great sleep because you're staying up late watching Netflix um, or scrolling on your phone and you really could go to bed earlier, you know, that's a different conversation. But, But people that are new parents or people that are going through a really stressful time or they're dealing with grief or, you know, people like me who work a schedule that makes it difficult for them to maybe get seven hours of sleep all the time, like those people should still work out. And I I believe that you're not going to fall apart and break and hurt yourself just because you're not getting seven hours of sleep a night. So in terms of exercise, this is the last piece that I want to address here. There's also kind of a message of fragility, I think, that is popular right now in fitness. And the, the reason that people do it is because it's great for marketing, right? You can say like, oh, don't do this exercise that every coach in the world has done, Um, because it's bad for your back. Do this fancy exercise that I created instead. Or you know, if you follow my program, it's going to eliminate all pain and all risk of training. Something that I've changed my mind about as I've gotten older and gotten more experience is that I don't necessarily think that there are any exercises that are a bad fit for everybody. I think that there probably are some exercises that are not a good fit for you as an individual. And I also think that more important than which exercises you're doing is the need to increase load so how much weight you're lifting volume you know how many sets and reps you're doing and complexity gradually so sure deadlifts might be bad for your back if you've never worked out before and you go to the gym and you try to deadlift 315 pounds you're probably not prepared physically to handle that weight But if you go to the gym and you work on your hip hinge with RDLs, and then maybe you do some elevated deadlifts at a lighter weight, and then you gradually increase the weight until you are able to lift 315 pounds, like is that same deadlift still bad for your back? Or did you just take the time to prepare your body for the demands that you wanted to place upon it? Now, I don't necessarily think that all people will be able to perform all exercises at a really heavy load or high volume because we have injury history. We have things like sleep and stress, which do affect our ability to recover from very intense training. Um, And we also have just different body types. So someone who's really, really tall, has really long legs and maybe shorter arms is probably going to be a shitty deadlifter. And deadlifts are probably going to not feel great on their back. That person's probably better off picking a different hip hinging exercise that works better for them. But that doesn't mean that deadlifts are bad for your back. It just means that for you, there's a better option or it means that you ask your body to do too much too soon. Another thing I want to add is about pain and injuries. So obviously if a doctor has instructed you not to exercise, you should follow that advice. I am fully in support of that. And if you've like rec- recovering from surgery or something, you know, you shouldn't be in the gym. But Most minor aches and pains are not so bad that you should be not moving, that you should be doing nothing. This was like the old advice, oh, if something's hurting, just rest until it gets better. But that's not really the way that our body works. You will feel a lot better if you find ways to keep moving and train around the pain or the injury. If the pain is not getting worse and you're still able to exercise, like I would say that that is a net positive. Again, if you have gone to a doctor or a physical therapist and they told you otherwise, Please follow their advice. But for most of the people, like I've tried to drill this into my clients, like, okay, your shoulder's hurting. Come to the gym. We'll either avoid it and just train the other arm, or maybe we'll do some mobility work or stretching, or maybe we will just train it in a light way with movements that are not problematic. And it's that movement that's going to help your body with the recovery process, with promoting blood flow, with building back better and stronger. If you just sit around doing nothing... A lot of the time that's not, it's certainly not gonna fix the problem. It's not gonna prepare you to better handle those stressors that led to the pain in the future. And you're gonna lose eventually, especially if you're sitting out for a really long time, some of the fitness that you've built, which we really don't wanna do. So again, even with injuries, like you're more resilient than you realize there's almost always a way you can continue training and moving in an intelligent way around the issue so that you're not just sitting around doing nothing you are not fragile. And this is kind of the message that I want to to leave you with in this episode. You are very resilient. If you are patient, if you take your time introducing different stressors to your body, your body can adapt to so much. So much. It's honestly amazing. I'm going to get a little morbid here for a second. But one thing that I think about sometimes is that in some senses, the human body is really fragile. So We could die from a single gunshot wound to the head or a single stab wound, you know, God forbid. But also people are incredibly resilient. And this is so obvious if you turn on the news and you see stories of people walking again after, you know, ostensibly being paralyzed or people recovering from chronic illness and doing really impressive things like people can recover from a lot. They can handle a lot. They can adapt to a lot. And that's what makes humans so amazing and honestly so resilient as a species. I was speaking about evolution earlier and and I'll circle back to it now. But if we were really so fragile, like we would not have survived and we would not have taken over the world in the way that we have. Sure, some of that has to do with brain power and things like that. But, you know, if we didn't survive through history long enough to get those other developments, like we wouldn't be here. So. There's a lot going in your favor in terms of your ability to eat different diets, to make changes to your body, to go through stressful periods where maybe you're not getting a lot of sleep or you have a lot going on. There's a lot in your favor in terms of being able to adapt to different types of training and being able to push your body gradually over time. You don't need to be so afraid of things. I do think it's important to be patient, maybe to be conservative initially and not just jump into the hardest thing ever. But like, I don't really think that this message in the fitness industry of like, don't do this, don't do that, you know, you're going to hurt yourself. I don't think that that's helpful because it keeps people from exercising. And it keeps people from just trying and doing the things that they can do. So I hope this wasn't too rambly today. But I've just been seeing a lot of posts, especially like those fucking supermarket takedown posts. And Exercise posts where people are like, This exercise is bad for you, don't do it. Or the sleep info where they're like, Well, you might as well not even exercise if you're not getting enough sleep. Like all of this stuff is keeping you from doing the simple things that will help you feel better. So, eat the right amount of calories for your goals. Do your best to sleep, you know, as much as you can, but try not to stress and obsess about it if it's not happening. Trust that your body is going to be okay and you're going to be more resilient. Move and exercise as much as you can, but don't necessarily jump into the most complicated or the most high intensity, high volume program right away. Start small, start conservative, build over time, and you will be able to handle so much more than you think, okay? You're not fragile, you are resilient, you can handle a lot, you can adapt and recover and do all the things you need to do to live a good life where you feel good and your body isn't holding you back. So hopefully this was encouraging, Maybe it gives you some things to think about. If you have a specific question or you want to talk with me more about something that I said or or even you disagree with me, I'd love to hear from you and continue this conversation. My DMs on Instagram are always open. My handle is at carolinejuster. Again, that's J-U-S-T-E-R and it's Caroline with an I. I always respond to DMs. I love talking with you. And if you have anything you want to say to me or any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Building Stronger Creatives. If something you heard resonated with you, I would love for you to share this episode with someone else who might enjoy it. I also always appreciate comments, ratings, and reviews. These things help me get the word out to other creatives who could benefit from this type of information. See you back on the next episode. Until then, stay curious, stay passionate, and stay strong.